You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out all trouble and drunk. Beat out all trouble and drunk. Beat out. And kick all trouble out the door Beat me that rhythm on the drum Beat me that rhythm on the drum Beat me that rhythm on the drum And kick all trouble out the door Kick him 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 out the door Welcome to Radical Australia Community Radio 3CR It'd be nice if the previous people left the studio, wouldn't it, Kelly? They're, Isn't they're, it your job to show them out? They're gone now. They're gone Just now. Just relax, won't you? You were late. You, I'm late. I had some other important stuff to be doing. What's more important than you know, oh, other three producing stuff. for well, Radical Well, I was Australia. actually just um, supplying Juliet with some information about the Father Bob interview that we did a number of years ah, ago which people can go back yeah. to the website and find on the radical australia page yeah you'll find do you remember what you talked about yes we talked about the real father bob because father bob was actually an anarchist in drag believe it or not mm. and uh, if you listen to the interview well it's a chat we don't do interviews here in radical australia we only chat with people you would have realised our poor guest is stuck. He's between He's chairs. Playing musical chairs. Yeah, that, that chair is disgusting. The comfy chair. Kevin, that's disgusting. Now, now, the world's greatest producer, Kelly Whitworth, who was here late because she was organising something else for Radical Australia, as you'd expect, has found a guest for us. Although we're booked up. How far are we booked up? June. Oh, I can't believe it. He'd want to come in here and talk to me. I know. Uh, I have to pay them. <laughs> How much is paying you, Kevin? Getting, am I getting paid? Oh, I don't <laughs> Later, know, Kevin. After, after no, no, no. Hang on, Kevin. You're a volunteer Ow. here. At, you're a volunteer here at VCR. I recognise you, Mr. Uh, Kevin Gaynor. You're you're yeah, yeah. you're involved with that rec- retro bait, the producer from Talk Back with Attitude, Manny the Librarian. Don't you and her. Moonlight on another program? Well, well, yeah, she dragged me into a show a while ago. I was walking down the street minding my own business. and she Really? Said, she said my own business. She, she said, I know some people that uh, are involved with the Unemployed Workers Union and they do a show on 3CR and uh-huh. there's a spot opening up uh-huh. um, and I need help and you're it. And, and I, Well, she didn't. I don't think she asked me. She just told me. And okay. That's the way you like it. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. There's no sexual innuendos no, on no, this program, no. none whatsoever, I can assure you. Yeah, so we got dragged into that, that slot, which was Unemployed Workers Fight Back, which was on a Friday evening, and yeah. then and then another slot opened up, so then it was two two slots yeah. a, a month. And what's it called now? Now it's called, we rebranded it um, a few weeks ago, well, about a month or two ago, called yeah. Radio MMT. Yeah. yeah, another one of my um, creations. 
Yeah, you know, you know, you know how it happened. You know, you're, you're telling me before. You, yeah. This is your idea. You, uh, he's he's getting he's he's claiming it was his idea, Kevin. <laughs> is that right? Well, I'm finding out now. I'm always the last to know in these hey, things. Hey, you know, here I was with Pat. You know, we were chatting away after our talk back with attitude. You know, we'd been battered and beaten by the listeners. And uh, many librarians says, "Have you got any suggestions regarding a name for this new program?" And I said, "What's it about?" And I said, "Your MTL. Why don't you call it MMT, Modern?" Yeah, yeah. yeah. It does seem fairly obvious. That it does, it is obvious. I'm always good with the obvious. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's good. And sometimes you need the obvious because the obvious can be over- overlooked, which is actually a running theme yeah. with uh, macroeconomics. So, do you find that you find? Uh, we'll, we'll come back to you in a minute. But with macroeconomics. Do you find when you say MMT, there is a section of the community that understands what it's about? Uh, well, yeah, because it's it's like a little cult. But uh, uh-huh. so I'm I'm kind of in two minds about using MMT because it's it's regarded as kind of like a fringe a fringe economics group, mm-hmm. um, and it's called modern monetary theory. And people think that we have all these theories about the economy. It's not actually like that. It's it's um, it's regarded. It's called a lens. It's just a way of understanding how the economy works through fresh eyes um, and, and it's a it's a very clear way of understanding how the economy works and when you when you understand how the economy works you understand all the options that are available to do things better than we're doing well that's much better than a theory yeah it is it's not a theory it's a reality well but yeah but so gravity's a theory too you see there's people it? say it's just a theory. no it's a reality well uh, when, what year were you born 62 well when i turned 70 Two was it two years ago, I joined the DFO club, and that is a practical example of gravity. It's not a theory; it's the don't fall over the club. Twenty five <laughs> people over twenty five percent of people over seventy who fall over sustain catastrophic, life shortening indis- uh, injuries like. Brain hemorrhages, quadriplegia, oh, fractured wow. hips. So yeah. gravity's no theory, mate. It's like your MMT stuff. Yeah, well, MMT's no theory. Well, it is a theory, <laughs> yeah. but it is a theory which explains the reality of yeah, the world that we live right. in. So, so you're born yeah. in 62. Where were you born? Well, I was born in Melbourne, yeah. Melbourne. Here in Melbourne? Well, I was born here in Melbourne. I was born... Uh, my family was living in in uh, Mont Albert at the time. Mont Albert. This, now this Where should, would you Is that gone? a flash suburb? Well, yeah, it was yeah. pretty... pretty like, a lot of private schools. You wouldn't know that. So, th- so this, <laughs> I went to a well, private school. I went to private school too. See, this is the, the problem I've got with this show is that it's right. called Radical Australia. And yeah. I come from very orthodox beginnings. I'm, I'm not that radical well, in, in origin. Look, anybody who believes in MMT has got a radical streak to their DNA. Yeah, but we'd, right. we'd actually like to change that. We'd like to, to be MMT to be mainstream but we're just nowhere near that you will be there you will be there (laughs) getting back mount albert mount albert mont sorry mont albert very leafy very nice east southeastern suburbs Uh, very what 30s 20s and 30s the houses Uh, yeah well look look, i moved uh, our family moved i was the seventh child oh my god in a a catholic family yes very catholic family yes and uh, we moved when I was about three and uh, to East Hawthorne, not far from Campbell Junction, and that's where I spent my formative years. In East Hawthorne? In East Hawthorne. More like, yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Campbell Junction was where we, we used to hang yeah, out. Campbell yeah. Junction. Yeah. All right. So what, as a, ta- what, as a five or six-year-old, you're wandering around Campbell Junction? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we used to you know, walk to school and do all that sort of stuff. You're back, kidding. Back in the days. No helicopter parenting? 
No, no. Well, large Catholic family, no. No, no. no. Well, you had brothers and sisters to accompany you to school, did you? Yeah, yeah. You know, you get the, the mature eight-year-old to, to lead the way for the five-year-old. Well, so that's that, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, so it's, that, the, it's the only way large families could cope. Yeah. You know, you'd have the oldest daughter would be looking after the youngest child yes. while mum's getting ready for the next one. Correct, yeah. yeah that's that the, was, that's um, the Catholic way. It was indeed, and, and I wasn't the last. You weren't the how many in I'm, the family? I'm, I'm in the middle of the family. How many in the family? I have, 15? I have, I have 11 brothers and sisters. 11 brothers and sisters. Now, are they still all Catholics? Um, I'm trying to, There's one of them is. Oh, and how many kids has he or she got? He has nine. No. And he has about 36 grandkids. Right. And uh, look, I'll just, I shouldn't ask you. Well, it is, it is kind of unusual. Like, because you, you do, you see large families these days and you go, yeah. what the hell? And you go, oh, that's right, I came from one of those. <laughs> what the hell is going on? So, so you're used to hand me down clothes? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so where'd you go to primary school? I went to primary school at the, if, you, if you're at Campbell Junction and you look mm. up the hill towards yep. Turek Road, you'll see, a big green dome basilica ah, called yes. Our Lady of Victories. And yes, that's, that's where yeah, I went to primary yeah, school. Yeah. Now it's some sort of French French fancy school that people, yeah. you know, have to queue up for years to go to. Or is it uh, Baccalaureate or something? What do uh, they call it? Something, I don't know. Something ridiculous. They, instead of HSC, whatever they call it these days. No, no, it's like, it's like a, it's a, they, they oh, speak French at the school. They speak French at the school. And, they and, should be expelled. And it's, it's like no, when it's, it's a primary school and you've got to, uh, and if you want your kids to be fluent in French, you send them to this, oh. to what used to be my primary school. Is this for the French spies in, in the community? Yeah. Must yeah, be. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, look, I don't know how to... It's always dangerous asking little kiddies who went to a Catholic school what the primary education was like. You never know what they come up with, and sometimes it's quite shocking. I assume your education was pretty standard, was it? Yeah, it was pretty good. Like, yeah. um, so we, so OLV had um, the uh, the Josephine nuns, and they were fair income like out of, um, straight out of the Blues Brothers. Right, right. right. We had S- Sister Thaddeus, who <laughs> who would have played that part. Yes. That, <laughs> just, just brilliantly. Yeah. But, uh, well, you know, it was like education back in the 60s and the 70s. It's yeah. very different to what it is now. And yeah, any, anybody... Yeah. Around kind of knows that it. Um, so I don't know. It was well. Those nuns would have been libera- liberated after Vatican II. And no, she, no. You, uh, but she, they didn't go. Okay. So do you know what happened at Vatican II? Yeah. So Vatican II was 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 when uh, 1962. The year yeah, I was born. Yeah, yeah. Was when the church tried to modernise and yes. stop saying the mass in Latin. That's right. Yeah. And uh, uh, and the nuns got demoted. The nuns. Pre-Vatican II had a status, so there were priests, the hierarchy, right. nuns were the next level down, mm. and then there was lay people. Right. Post-Vatican II, the, the nuns got reduced to the same status as lay people. Unbelievable. And they were, they were like, really pissed off. And, and, and so there are a lot of, lot of dark, angry nuns around during the 60s, and, and they were teaching me. Yeah. Sister Thaddeus was the, the main one. They were not happy. They were no not happy. happy. No, and, and, no. Uh, and nuns exited the Catholic Church, and, yeah, and, uh, yeah no. Yeah. Well, just, well, the hierarchy was just after the real estate, mate. You know, a lot of those nuns yeah. were in very expensive real estate all over Melbourne, I remember. Yeah, yeah, you but know. living in, in austere very austere, yeah. Austere, a, yeah. but nice places. A bit yeah. like me and my uh, my family, because yeah. we lived in a nice big house. Yes. But my dad was a um, the, the product of a. Uh, his dad died when he was three, so he was raised mm. um, by a single mum during the depression. depression. Who right. was a, who was a seamstress and lived on top of a uh, on top of a, a chemist. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, and then he fought in World War Two and came out the other side with a uh, with a scholarship because they gave they yes. gave um, mm. free university education to mm. return servicemen. 
became a lawyer, set up a law firm, which was had an offices down at Campbell Junction and the rest of it, uh, and and came good. But he was uh, he was traumatized by. His, well, I don't know if he's traumatized, but he was shit scared that that um, the money was going to run out at any time. Mm. So he bought a big house because he had you know heaps of kids and that sort of stuff. But there was no extravagances. There was no, yeah, and yeah. he sent us all to private school, right? Yep. Which would have cost a, a, a bomb. Even and, a, even a Catholic private school is expensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but it was all it was all you know. Well, uh, it was all right. I'm going to really <laughs> ask you the important question of how things really were in your house. Yeah. Did you top and tail? Did we top and tail? Uh, no, no. Ah, well, no. come on, come no. on. You're just middle class. Thing. Yeah, yeah, no. No, we're... no, if you didn't top and tail, mate, a real Catholic, you know, in a working True. class family True. would top and tail. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, well, my dad worked at – he set up a good business <laughs> yep. and, and we didn't have to top and tail. Didn't have to top and tail. That's yeah, good. Yeah. But did you share a room? Oh, yeah, well, we shared a room. How many, yeah. how many in the room? Uh, there's generally two in the room. So oh, that's not so, too bad. Yeah, so we bought this house – bought a house in – dad bought a place in 1965 mm-hmm. that had like a big ballroom upstairs. A ballroom? Yeah. It, oh, was, it, was it must own... have been massive to accommodate 11 kids. It was. It was huge. How many bedrooms? Well, when it we – It must have been fir- a mansion. When we first had it, there was like two bedrooms in this ballroom, but mm-hmm. then after we got the builders in, there was seven bedrooms. So, and know, no ballroom. And no ballroom. <laughs> 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 Your father had a bit of, and how did your mum cope with all this? Yeah, well, mum, mum loved having kids, and yeah. <laughs> mum was really good with kids up until about the age of five, and then from about the age of five, as soon as you're ready for primary school, well, she lost interest. Yeah, until well, the world you go. No, look, she was a good mum. She's a good mum. She's still uh, my mum's still alive. And yeah, she, well, you better not say anything bad about her. She'll sue yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. She'll, she won't sue us. She'll sue you. She'll put the Josephine nuns <laughs> onto me. And I, yeah, I, she'll I catch want, you out of the will. I'll get a, uh, a visit from Sister Thaddeus, and, and right. she'll she's still strong. alive too. No, I don't think so, but. What in your sleep? <laughs> in my dreams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you got any scars oh, or welts to prove that you went to a you Catholic know, primary school? Uh, the, no, the Catholic primary school they were they were they were nice. They were they were no, pretty the, good. Oh, right. I went to then I went to uh, a Catholic private school, yes. which was um, you know Xavier and and, and Burke Hall, mm-hmm. and there were some nut jobs there. Nut jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Was this 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 is a, this is the staff or the headmaster? Well, you, you take your pick. They were, they, were, they were out of control, and um, like Burke Hall was uh, was where they sent all the retiring Jesuits who were sort of going off the planet a bit, and and they were a weird bunch. They were a weird bunch, and I'm sure stuff happened, but not to me. One advantage of coming from a large family is um, you don't you don't pick on somebody from a large family because they got brothers and things yeah. get around and uh, things get around. Yeah, yeah I understand. <laughs> I know, I've told this story before, but it was only decades later I realised what had happened. I was, I was sent to St Brendan's, which is a Catholic primary school in Brisbane. Yeah. And I was in year one, and all of a sudden, my old man, with a handkerchief over his head because he was a labourer, boots, singlet and shorts, comes in, grabs me by the hand and says, we're leaving, <laughs> glaring at the nun. <laughs> and he drags me across the road to Maruka Primary School, which is the state school across, and he enrolls right, yeah. me. And that was the end of that. And why? Why do you think? He must have heard rumours. Oh, okay, Roddy's ahead of the game. And he must have heard rumours about what was happening, you know. Yeah. Because uh, obviously the place was full of rumours in those days, but nobody would believe it or acted on it. You well, know? You, like you think about it. I have this conversation with people all the time. They go, so what are priests like? Imagine if you're 
a, a guy with a, a sexual uh, misorientation by the standards of the day mm. and you don't quite know how you fit in or what to do with yourself. Yeah. What are you going to do? Well, you're going to seek, seek guidance from, from, from God and yeah. go and join the priesthood. Yeah. So you end up with all these <laughs> sexually confused young men joining the priesthood who then become priests who then instruct young boys on how to live their lives and what their morality should be. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. A, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So, <laughs> so did you survive high school? Yeah, yeah, you know, I did, I did pretty good. I was, I was um, yeah, this is what I'm saying. It's it like my, my origins are very, I was, I was, I wasn't a great footy player. My, right. my, yeah. my to hand stuff was. You look more like a cricket player to me. No, I was, like yeah. my, uh, my hand to eye coordination was crap. And oh, my right. two older brothers were really good and it was mm-hmm. kind of dominating and they, and ruined my confidence. But um, uh, but when I got to Xavier, I could row, and I was a really good rower. And so, and so I, what position did you have? No, was stroke of the first, mate. I was like, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. we have <laughs> Kelly. We have rowing royalty here. <laughs> how how far did you go with that? Well, um, a school and then I finished. That was it. The, that was it. You yeah. finished as well. Why? Well, yeah, but there's two guys I rode with. The two guys sitting behind me. Um, one ended up in the '84 Olympics, and then and the other guy uh, won the World Championships in 1986. Right. So think about that. The World Championships in 1986. You're up against East Germany, yep. uh, the USSR. Uh, all of these superpowers that are all on drugged up to the eyeballs, up to the eyeballs, and and uh, and and this dude uh, made of mine, Mark Doyle, he was in, he was in the um, a crew that won that, and I sort of you know, so you live off other people's glory, etc. Oh, of course well, you do, of course you do. Bloody hell, I thought, that's all right. Best in the world up against that mob. Yeah, you go, yeah. pretty good. But, but, but how come you missed out? What happened? I wasn't as good as those guys. Oh, well, you know what happened after school? I just thought, I had enough of this. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and, 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 and the hormones were. Well, Playing takes, up, were they? It or? takes a lot of time, that stuff. It does, is what I mean. Yeah. It's a, it's, you either join the army or you row, and that's what it's there for. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's to expend energy from, well, you know, randy young men, well, basically. Well, well, I went from rowing to becoming a roadie. That was a roadie? A roadie, yeah. Who for? Bands. All sorts of bands. During the, um, Didn't you go to university? I was supposed to. I forgot. What do you mean you forgot? I took a, I took a gap year, and, and, and it's, what, what year is it now? 19... <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to go oh, I don't know, about 1983 or something, <laughs> I don't know. I just, uh, you know... What, you just took a gap year? Well... And then you forgot to go to university? I went for half a year in 82. And I actually went to uni with my mum, who... Your mum? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, I'm talking about helicopter parents. You went to uni with your mum, explain yourself. Well, because my mum... Mum sort of um, became a mum pretty early. And, mm. like, and so her... She was. She had all these big dreams about what she was going to do with her life, and then right. uh, her mum got crook, and her dad died, and and she had to look after her her crook mum, and then she got married and had twelve kids. Right. Uh, and around the same time that I was going to go to uni, the youngest in our family was now old enough that didn't require attention. And mum said, mm. "Well, now what was I up to? I was going to go to uni." Yeah. And it turns out she was going to go and study the same sort of things I was going to go and study. What were you both studying? Uh, I did art history and music, and uh, and she did. Music and composition and something else. So were you both in the same class? Yeah, we both started at the same time. <laughs> this is in 1982, and this is at, uh, at Latrobe Uni. Did uh, was there a bit of digging? You know, people dig you in the, el- in no, the elbow. We, we didn't always go to the same class. Like, no, like you know, they say there, there goes Kevin and his, his mum. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she went the whole way through and passed and was brilliant, and I got bored. I said, no, nah, I'm, so, I'm so sick of studying. studying. I'm just mm-hmm. not doing it anymore. Yeah. So, I, so I stopped. You stopped? Yeah. Big disappointment for your father. 
Well, he was a bit dead by then. So. He was dead. <laughs> well, if he's a Catholic, it's still a disappointment, isn't it? Because <laughs> yeah. he's watching you. Now, just be careful what you say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> he, he, he dropped off uh, dropped off this mortal coil when I was just turned 16. So, 16. Yeah. So. so how did your mum cope? Uh, not very well for the first few years. Mm. Uh, and But he, he left... He left a pretty good uh, infrastructure behind, and my sister stepped up um, and took over the fa- family finances. And and uh, yeah, no, we we sort of mm. mum didn't have a clue about money because it was dad's job. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, no, we just uh, he left such a a good foundation because he was so shit scared from the depression and all that sort yep, of stuff. Yep, yep, He'd actually yep. built up you know enough finances, and, and that was kids. enough to see. Well, there were still six of us at school when he when mm. he um, uh, mm. when he dropped no, off. No wonder so. you're into MMT, you know, real real economics, yeah. not virtual economics. <laughs> <laughs> now, how did you get your first roadie job? Ah, oh, well, my brother was at uni, and yeah. he was doing lights for a band called uh, called Sharp Words back in 82, 83. Mm. and then he graduated, and he said. You're it. This happens to me all my life. <laughs> it's like and, MTL and comes that, and says... You've just got that look, yeah, Kevin, I, I, you know? I must look aimless or something. If people just see me and go, right, you need something to do. But he, no, so, no, no. You think, I think you look malleable. You're such malleable. a pleasant-looking <laughs> human being, you yeah, know? Well, yeah. No hint of aggression. A sucker. That's what you put, yeah. <laughs> well, I was trying to be polite, okay? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so that got, that got me into doing bands around Melbourne about mm. eighty two, eighty three, mm. and then mm. in nineteen eighty four, I jumped on my motorbike and rode to Perth. And as you do, as you do, and it was a good motorbike too. I only just sold it recently. Oh, oh a, what was it? Seventy nine uh, Suzuki GS one thousand. Oh, oh, what did you sell? It, what did you sell it for? Because well, because I'm trying. No, no, no. How much? How much? Oh, eight and a half. Not bad. I, I bought it for bad. two. Th- bought it for two thousand one hundred yeah. in nineteen eighty. Three after I crashed my other motorbike, I got, yeah. I got a payout for insurance. Yeah. Um, the, the the first bike I crashed was only worth nine hundred bucks, and they paid me two two thousand two hundred. Oh, look, I could tell you stories. It. So I bought the GS one thousand yeah, with that. Yeah. See, when you have an accident, you dream that the other side will give you a cash payout. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it goes. Yeah. You did well. So so, uh, so hang on, I want to, I'm interested in the motorbike trick. Yeah. Everybody in those days, where you either hitchhike across to Perth or yeah, yeah, drove some old bomb. Yep, to done that. Perth. What, what did you think of that run? Ah, well, I've done from Sojourner to Perth. Yeah. Well, no, I've done I've done uh, Melbourne to Perth uh, about thirty times. Third, why thirty times? I remember I was counting because I was over in uh, living over in Perth, and I had these reasons to come back. So, mm. first I rode over there on the motorbike, and I hitched back a couple of times, and mm. I've caught the bus, and mm. I've driven various vehicles across there. Mm. The first time you go, it's like. Wow, wow, you know, and then the second and third time it starts getting a bit boring, and then the, but th- by the third or fourth time you've really got to just just adjust. Like all your scales have to adjust, and and remember, like back then there's no mobile phone or no, anything that sort right, of stuff. Yeah. So you just got to enter the space that's out there, which is it's enormous. So then after that you you start you go, hang on, what's down this road down here? And you'd say, stop rushing and go and have a look, and you drive off. These little parts, and you go and hit the Great Australian Bite, and, and you just go whoa. And so there's only there's a stretch there which is about uh, 200 kilometres, which is the Nullarbor proper. Everybody says, oh, you're in the Nullarbor plain. Only there's only about 200 k's where it's Nullarbor proper, and it's it's flat. So what I used to like to do after that was you'd pull off and you'd you take this little track down, and there's no guard fences or anything like that. It's a dirt track to a little dirt section next to the Great Australian Bite, and it's looked the same as it ever has for tens of thousands of years and so you stand with your back to the water and you look 
at the Nullarbor inland and it's just flat with shrubs and stuff and stones and, and thingo. And normally when you approach the coast, there's a change of, uh, a change of geography. But not here. You just look and then you slowly swivel around. You just see flat, 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 flat land, flat land, and then it just drops into the water. This yeah. dramatic cliff. You just go, whoa. It's just extraordinary. <laughs> and, and you see the waves crashing and yeah. up. Yeah. And, that, and this water coming from the Antarctic and yeah. it's just slammed into the side inside of this this, this mass which is just yeah. everything's just big you know yeah. it's just, just yeah, and you amazing. feel and on the motorbike you feel like this tiny little dot you can wrap it out as fast as you want to go and you just go I'm not going fast I'm still like I'm just <laughs> this little right. dot just crawling across this continent yeah <laughs> because it's just so vast remember yeah. I crossed first with my late wife in 76 I said, this is boring. And she said, no, Joe, what you do is you don't look at the shrubs, you look at the spaces between the shrubs yeah. and it becomes interesting. Yeah. And that's what you were describing, yeah. basically. So you've yeah. got to get into that, that headspace. And, and yeah. I haven't done it for ages. I'd love to do it again. I'm going mm. to do it again soon mm. and just spend as much time I reckon, as I can. I reckon you and Anne put on a pillion on a motorbike and do an outside broadcast from the Great Australian <laughs> Bike on <laughs> modern monetary theory. Well, what do you reckon? Well, I'll tell you this: but traveling long distance on a motorbike is not a good idea. Like it's, it, it sounds like a good idea. It sounds very romantic, etc. Yeah, it's not romantic. No, no. It's, but it's just bloody hard because because right. you just got like you're you're riding. You're generally sitting out there about 130, 140 k an hour because okay. if you're any faster than that, it, it starts getting a bit blustery and a bit violent. Mm. Any slower than that, you're sort of crawling, and you're just sitting there leaning into a prevailing southeasterly. And I, I remember when I got there, the the left hand side of my tire was worn out a bit because of the, the wind keeping me on this angle for four thousand days. <laughs> <laughs> So when did, when did all this roadie nonsense finish? Well, um, it sort of hasn't. I still do. What the, do you mean? I hasn't? Still, I still do the occasional gig. What well, are you, what are you doing the, who, do, who are you doing the occasional gig for these days? Uh, I've had a long, uh, a long career with uh, Ed Cooper. Uh-huh. I started doing uh, Ed in about eighty-seven, right. eighty-eight. Right. Uh, Joe doesn't know who Ed Cooper is. You don't know who Ed Cooper You'll is? You have to enlighten him. I've heard of a band called The Saints? Yes, yes. Kelly thinks I don't know anything he doesn't, about He doesn't. Music. She thinks that. Well, she's so, young. But, but, she's, you know, she's young. But this is the amazing thing is, that, like, there's all these bands that I've worked for. I went and saw, yeah. um, I went and saw Datura 4 on mm. Monday night at the Cherry Bar, which right. nobody's ever heard of Datura 4. The front guy, but, but everybody's heard of the Cherry Bar. Everybody's heard of the Cherry Bar. Yeah. So, so and, the, and the front guy, that is a fellow called Don Mariani, who mm. was also uh, fronted another band called The Stems out of Perth. So that was one of the, the first big big name bands I played with out of Perth. But nobody's heard of The Stems. No. But they're a brilliant band. Mm. Was, um, in, have you heard of that series of gigs called All Tomorrow's Parties, which is where? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a series of there's a series of gigs. <laughs> yes, he, he knows all about. I'm sure. Uh, I know all about tomorrow's parties. I've been to most of them. Okay, so, so there was there was a whole round of gigs called uh, All Tomorrow's Parties, and it started with this concept that um, somebody got got uh, we get a famous band to play their their most famous album in order from start to finish, track one, side one, through to sure, the yeah. end of, end of uh, side two, and then play some of their biggest hits. Mm. And the very first band they got to play that was um, Iggy and the, Stoo- the, the Stooges to right. do Raw Power or something like that. Mm. Uh, and the other band they got to um, to uh, do that was The Stems, and they flew them overseas, and The Stems did the, one of their albums from start to finish as well. And that was the very first All Tomorrow's Party because uh, they're a great band, but nobody's heard of The Stems, you mm. know, and nobody's heard of Ed Cooper, and, and mm. nobody's heard of all these great musicians. Yeah, Kelly has. Yeah. She's heard of both of them. Yeah. <laughs> she knows everything. And I got about to work music. with them. It was such a good, yeah. 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 It was a great band. Did they actually pay you? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just keg, a keg here the, and a keg there. It was no? the 80s, mate. But he, he, there was gigs everywhere. You yeah, get paid. Yeah.
Did you know that 3CR received its community radio license in 1976? Our application was successful because of our diverse and engaged community membership. Subscribers are at the heart of our station and we really need you to be active and paid up in 2023. Become a 3CR subscriber today. Call 039419 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. You're listening to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR 855 on your AM dial. This program is streaming on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. So I started writing over in Perth because I saw this guy. I went to a Sunday session and this, mm, pool, this guy's mm. pulling down the PA by himself and I said, mm. would you like a hand, mate? And he goes... He goes, do you know what you're doing? I sort of got a half an idea, you know. Yeah. And, um, and the next thing you know, I'm a roadie for about the next four or five years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you've been a roadie all your life? Uh, most of it, yeah. I was, I'm a, I'm a, 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 I was a roadie during the 80s and then I worked with production companies during the 90s and then I had my own production company during the 2000s. Your own production company. Tell us about that. Uh, well, it was corporate stuff. So you're doing corporate gigs. That's um, all right. That's yeah. all right. We forgive you. Yeah, it's a bit yeah. of a sellout. It's like the big did, difference between corporate. But did they pay you? Oh, yeah. No, that's, that, that, that's, that's, <laughs> that's the reason. That's what you do. That's the reason. Yeah, that, <laughs> uh, you know, I had, so what do they expect, a stripper or something when you do a corporate gig? I didn't, I've done a, a corporate gig with strippers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I've done rock and roll gigs with strippers, strippers too. Right. Yeah, over yeah, in yeah. Perth. Yeah. 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 Well, Kalgoorlie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, obviously, yeah. Kalgoorlie. You yeah. need to. Yeah, well. Nobody had come. Perth during the 80s, well, Western Australia during the 80s was... Yeah. A bit like the Wild West. It yeah. Was, yeah, it yeah. was. It was all going off. Um, yeah. Stokes and all those nice people. <laughs> <laughs> there were very, Bond. If there yeah, was, all those nice people. If there was a buck, that was basically the only. <laughs> then there was no rules. It was just yeah. yeah off you go. But um, yeah. Right. So what was this? So you did. People. What, what this is pre. This is during the net. Yeah, you've had the net in two thousand. What they call you and say, I got a corporate gig we want you to bring some entertainment is that the way it works no 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 i didn't provide the entertainment i, pro- I plugged things in so i'm production right so ah, oh, so you had a production company yeah, yeah. so so uh so i'm a lighting guy that's uh, yeah. so i've done lights for a variety of bands do you want to hear some of the bands that i lights for i'm sure kelly would love to okay you might have even heard a couple of those <laughs> oh, bands, right? these, yeah. so there was the stems and then after the stems i moved back to well, there was another band in in uh, perth called just add water but you wouldn't have heard of them um i did um I was reading a book by Kim Salmon the other day and I knew that I'd done Lights for the Scientists and then mm. I realised the last two gigs he played in 1987, I did Lights for him. So I did Lights for Kim Salmon and the Scientists mm. uh, and I'd forgotten about that until I read the book. Um, and there's all these bands you do forget. So then I came over to Melbourne and, and did some work for Harem Scarum. Uh, then I worked for X for a year doing stage and then uh, I was doing a, uh, a gig. X was supporting Hunters and Collectors at the mm. Village Green mm. And I heard the, the crew boss from Hunters and Collectors speaking to this guy saying, you're a lighting guy, but you haven't got a truck licence. And, he, go, right. and he, goes, he goes, yeah. And he says, ah, we, need a, we need a lighting rigger with a truck licence. And I said, I'm a lighting guy and I've got a truck, a truck licence. And he goes, yeah, well, mate, you're, you're fired. Mate, you're hired. So next thing you know, I'm working for Hunters and Collectors. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Then the lighting guy for Hunters and Collectors retired, yeah. Jeff Phillips, who was an amazing fella. So now, now I'm now the lighting guy for Hunters and Collectors. Right. Then I lost that gig because I was in Perth well, doing... you lost your truck licence. No, I didn't lose my truck <laughs> licence. I was over in Perth chasing up my ex-girlfriend who was still over there yeah. um, when I should have been back in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I was over there, 
Ed Cooper was playing with uh, his band The Yard Goes On Forever and he had a terrible light show and I said, well, that's no good. So uh, so then I started doing lights for Ed um, and then I did Black Sorrows for a year or so after mm. that. Um, but I still do, did Ed. Um, mm. but, but So his band kind of disbanded towards the end of the 80s. Tell us a little bit about the art of being a light person. Back then it was really good because you toured with your own show and you set up your own show. So these days it's all... It's all um, house production. You go in there and it's a house rig. Mm. Back then, empty stage, empty the truck, roll roll in and set it up how you want it. And you try all this different stuff. So In collaboration with the musicians? They generally left, let me to it. Well, um, with uh, Hunters and Collectors, uh, I was following the format that, uh, that had been handed to me. Um, so that was... Uh, and I regret that. I, I should have deviated and trusted mm. my own instinct. And that's probably part of the reason that I, I, I lost the gig was because I wasn't trying enough stuff. I was playing mm. it safe. And so after that, I stopped playing it safe. But no, they generally just left it to me. And um, uh, if they had any problems, they'd let me know. The main problem they had was that they didn't like lights in their eyes. But if you haven't got lights in your eyes, we can't see them. So you just tell them, oh, you look great, though. You know, it looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> Works you got that time. wet. You got that yeah. wet hot oh, look. Yeah, look at look, look fantastic. Now you, you realise that we ask the big questions here in Radical Australia. Yeah. Now you've been to most pubs in Australia. Yeah. As a lighting technician. Most or production. Most, most venues. Venues. All right. Yeah, yeah. Which has got the best beer encrusted carpet? Ooh. Ooh. Well. Oh, look, it's a big thing what in our age. What do you mean age. by best, stickiest? Yeah, 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 like yeah the yeah, most yeah. decrepit. I'd, I'd, yeah. I reckon I'd have to say the ESPY back in its day yeah, yeah. was was right up there with them. It was it was pretty good. But there are these, yeah, a lot of the other ones you go to, they, they sort of took some pride in the venue and that, and they would clean occasionally. You're kidding. Yeah, but not the ESPY. No. The ESPY. <laughs> Yes, it was always pretty, pretty grungy. It was yeah. like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you I remember you'd put your foot in and yeah. you'd leave a pinprint, and it'd be there half an hour later. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Now, during all this time, you're gallivanting around. You said you were chasing an ex-girlfriend, but uh, did you follow in your brother's footsteps in, in terms of kiddies? James Kitties. Yeah, you're, no. a, you're your brother of nine kids or oh, whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You didn't no. follow in his footsteps. No, no. Eventually, eventually. Um, um, uh, I did have two kids mm-hmm. uh, and a and a wife and a house, and mm-hmm. that was all during the kind of the the nineties and the two thousands. Right. And I was being a good corporate kev doing yeah. the stuff, doing the stuff. Yep. yep. Working for companies and, yep. and following your dad's example. Well, yep. no, he would have been horrified. But, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you were looking after your family and kids. Come yeah, on, yeah. Hey. Well, yeah. That he might have he might have <laughs> ticked that box, but everything else he would have gone. What the hell? Are you? I spent all that money sending you to that province, and you did what? You what lights? <laughs> no, I keep he'd be turning. In his crap, right. I can tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so eventually had um, two kids, and uh, one of my uh, well, I've got two kids. I'm re- very proud of both of them, uh, Georgina and Raleigh. Um, and we're talking before about uh, nuns and stuff. And my mm. son Raleigh's in a band called uh, called Phil and the Tiles, <laughs> and they have a song called Nuns Dream, <laughs> which is all about a nun having erotic dreams. Dreams. Yeah. <laughs> well, so there you go. This full you, circle, you, isn't you, it? That's right. You're keeping the Catholic tradition alive. Yeah. There. That's very good. Yeah. So. What got you interested in economics? Ah, okay. So, fact, it's what you're self-employed, or what was it? Well, okay. So the first thing I remember, my my dad was quite political. He he um, was uh, secretary of his local Labor Party, mm-hmm. but he was a Catholic, and he fell on the. He was a grouper. He was a DLP 
uh, Garupa. Yeah, he he was thick and heavy into the DLP. We yeah. used to have Bob Santa Maria over for dinner. You're kidding. Oh, can I shake your hand? <laughs> when I was a kid, when I was a kid, religiously, the TV would be turned on at five minutes to, be, what is it, midday on the Sunday, and Bob Sam. would be there, yep. sp- you know, spinning a tale of woe. Oh. Oh, yeah. So that was quite confusing because I didn't, I didn't sort of, I couldn't figure it out. So I didn't vote till mid 20s. Now, listen, let's get back yeah. to Bob. Bob's dead, so we can yeah. say whatever we like yeah. about him. Yeah. What was he like when he came to dinner? Well, I don't know. I was a kid, you know. And, and oh, it doesn't matter. Was, was he stiff upper lip or did no, he have a bit of a laugh? He or? seemed pretty friendly. And, yeah. and, and like he'd sit at the table and, and oh, you know, we had this yeah. long, long table where we'd all sit and sometimes we'd be there with him. And, and he just seemed like this strange person that Dad would invite over every now and again, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, it's because of bastards like him and your dad that, uh, sorry to use the B word for uh, your dad, yeah, yeah. that we are taxpayers are now paying to send you kids to private schools. Well, tax- this was this was before that, all for all that garbage. Ta- you know? See, now if you're going to use the term taxpayer around me, taxpayer funded spending, yes, <laughs> you, you're going to run into trouble, right? Because taxpayers do not pay for government spending, don't they? No, we don't. So, where does all our taxes go? Uh, they go to the I government. mean, I, I know that. It, I've been working for 50 years, and I know every year that I've got to pay somebody. So yeah. should, where's it going? Have you not listened to our show ever? No, I never no. know. Couldn't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a modern, modern monetary theory kind of... Ugh. Okay. So, no, no, no. Hang on, hang on. Yep. All right, there's millions of people listening to this program, at least yeah. three yeah. people, not millions. Where does all their taxes go? Tax, uh, tax money is money extinguished. So government spends into the economy... Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm bleeding when I'm paying my tax bill. Yeah. So where's it going? It, go, it goes nowhere. What do you mean it goes nowhere? It's money in, money out. So when the government, right. when the government spends... So why does it want my money? For, there's, there's a variety of reasons. Uh, if you tax in the currency that you issue, you mm. enforce that currency on the population. So the, the government will only receive uh, Australian dollars in tax. Mm. Therefore, you have to earn Australian dollars. And therefore, it... It uh, it means you're not going to be dealing in US dollars or or seashells or anything else. You're going to be dealing in Australian dollars. You can also use it to regulate behaviour like uh, smoking and drinking, etc. Mm-hmm. You can use it. A government can use taxation to create fiscal space. So if the government wants to build tunnels and roads, and there's not enough uh, resources to do that, there's not enough workers, etc. It will start taxing the areas where those people are working. To make it less I'm attractive. Not convi- I'm not convinced. I'll tell you why. Yeah. I see private schools getting bigger and larger. Yeah. And it's not due to the contributions of parents like it used to be before yep. the High Court decision, which uh, allowed government funding of schools. So, how does it all work? Okay, I'll give you a very practical mm. example because mm. we've just come through COVID. Okay, mm. so so we had. $400 billion of COVID relief uh, money yep. poured into the economy yep. uh, by the Morrison government. Yep. This is a, a, co- a conservative government. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they did was they uh, discussed a, uh, a bill in Parliament. Uh, it was uh, then passed, mm-hmm. and when it's passed and it costs money, it's called an appropriations bill. Mm-hmm. The appropriations bill is sent to Treasury, who mm-hmm. then send it to the RBA, who then tap on their computers and send the money out. Mm-hmm. So that's $400 billion sent out into the economy, mm-hmm. no taxes raised, no money borrowed. But that's that's how currency is created. Yeah, but what's happened to all that tax I've paid over the last fifty years? T- tax is used not to pay for government spending. 
as we've just saw in that example there, not mm. necessary. Mm. But you, that was once in 100 years. Okay, you, you want to, uh, yeah, I, what's I, happening? Look, I know it's that, complicated. And, every, and every worker and every worker out there is a wage earner. Yep. I'm self-employed, so you know, yep. I do it every three months, whatever. Right. I know that I've got to put aside so much money, yep. which theoretically, I'm told, goes to pay. The trillion dollars that comes in revenue every year goes to pay for government expenditure. And you're telling me that doesn't occur? Uh, I'm telling you that's uh, the wrong way of looking at it. Well, tell me the way to look at it. Well, uh, like I said, if, if the government can spend $400 billion without mm. raising any taxes, mm. what are taxes for? Well, they're obviously not there to, for, for revenue raising because they don't need revenue raising. The, the RBA is the currency issuer. So they create the currency. They can just spend the money. Well, they're, they're not waiting on the taxes no, to come no, in. No, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. So why are we paying taxes? Well, I've just given you a few reasons. One is to enforce the currency so that uh, you pay taxes in the currency to make sure that the population uses that currency. Another one is to control behaviour, where you tax something. That's so only two. That's two. Uh, the other one is to create fiscal space, where you tax an area so that you free up resources in that area for something mm. else, so mm. you can move things around. The fourth one, which is being largely ignored, is uh, inequality. If you let two people, if you let too few people have too much money, they have too much influence. So you use that to. And inequality is a, a, a huge disruption in any any society. Yeah, but we have too few people having too much money today. We've never had so many billionaires in Australia. Correct. I'm, not, I'm, I'm telling you yeah. how what, how taxation works. I'm not telling you that they're doing it right. So they're what happens if I, what happens if I say no? I'm not going to pay my tax because it's all virtual shit. You'll be in jail. They enforce tax more than they enforce anything. Mm -hmm. And they do that because they, they're enforcing the currency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay. All right. I'm not convinced, but yeah. that my taxes don't go to anything. That, that's I, I don't, I, you don't need me to convince you. You go to the Australian Office of Financial Management. Uh -huh. uh, go to Treasury. No, no, it's not about... I just, I, I'm not convinced by the whole argument that my taxes go nowhere. There's no point then in paying well, them. Well, explain to me why how, how the government can spend $400 billion on... on well, they create okay, that. Okay. They create that. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. They, they put it into bonds and they say... World oh, War yeah. Two. How, yeah, how, yeah. how do we do that? World War Two. you've got a world which is disrupted with create You create it, you know. Yeah, the, you, those days you'd print it, now you have digits which you give to the private banks and they lend it out to us. So they've always done it, right? Yeah. But that, and they don't I need, can understand the creation, Yeah, but, but that, then there's no need for taxes. Well, well, there's a, a reason for taxes, and I'm not actually arguing the case for taxes. I'm, I'm uh, telling you the reasons that exist for taxes. If you didn't have taxes, certain things and certain dynamics would change. And certainly our tax, well, our tax regime is all wrong. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, not arguing with that. I'm not arguing with that. So in Monaco, they don't have taxes, do they? No. No. And they, and they don't need them. Yeah. Why? Because the government can create currency on demand. Fine. So why don't we do it? Very good question. I know, I'm asking. Well, why, why, why are we taxing the population if you don't need money to create, you know, you goods need, and services? You need to control certain behaviours and you need to mm. have inequality in mind. Uh, well, in Monaco they don't do that. I know. So, so, so I agree with you. Uh, and and this is this is it's it's like it's kind of a. It's a bit of a shock to the system, all right, and it's okay. hard to get your head around. But it's yeah. but all right. Now, good. All but right. No, so that, that so if people want to follow this yeah. line of argument, so what do you do on the program? We we speak to uh, 
progressive macroeconomists who are generally academics mm-hmm. and we decipher what they're saying and mm-hmm. turn it into common speak so that people right. like you and I can understand it. Oh, maybe people like you. I don't know about uh, me. No, no. Look, the show on Friday. I've had this dawning just recently. <laughs> right. Uh, when you, when you, well, when on the you, road to Damascus, yeah. Well, you, sometimes you wake yeah, up and this yeah. thing just go ding. Yeah. Uh, I can, I'm going to have a discussion on, on our show on Friday right. that illustrates that government deficits fund private sector profits and that that's all that funds private sector profits, that the private sector by itself is unsustainable and the only reason it exists is because government governments run deficits. And if governments didn't run deficits, the economy would collapse and the private sector would go bust. And there's a there's a train that you have to go through to reach that conclusion. And I thought, I just, well, I thought, oh, I've, 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 I've I've seen the, the moment. I've, I've seen the light. Mm. And then I spoke to this guy, Bill Mitchell, who is a professor in economics. He's the, the guru that we refer to. Mm. And he goes, oh, yeah, that'd be Kaleski, the, the Polish the Polish uh, Marxist economist. He came up with that idea 90 years ago. You're talking right. about Kaleski's um, theory of profit. And going, that was my theory of profit. <laughs> <laughs> but Kevin, there's nothing new in life. You oh, know, no, if, no, you, if you have one original idea in your lifetime, you're ahead. Speak you know to that. any musician. How yeah. hard is it to write a, a, a new song these days? Yeah. Exactly. Hey, yeah. now, speaking about um, bands that I've uh, wrote, wrote <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so after the after there was a whole bunch of other bands. There was the um, oh, Watch Stripes, etc. Oh, no, anyway, no, so no. then I did a run with um, the Sunny Boys a little while ago. You heard of them? I've heard of the Sunny yeah, Boys. Yeah. So yeah. That was good. Yeah. Uh, um, I got called up once to say the Public Enemy are coming to town and they need a lighting guy. Really? Was like, oh. Did that. And then I was doing this charity gig. This would be twelve years ago. And they said, "Oh, we've got a surprise uh, surprise act coming up." Yeah. And uh, I said, "Rightio." And they, they, they said, told me before, yeah, well, they're coming. That's a Simon and Garfunkel. You heard of oh, them? Yeah, I heard did, of them. Yeah, they lost yeah. Simon and Garfunkel. And they yeah. turned up the real ones or the, yeah, yeah. No, or the, the real fake ones. ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The real ones. <laughs> there was a, a fundraiser by Twiggy, yeah, look, Twiggy look, Forest. Look, look, look. You don't have to impress me. Yeah, I'm more. I'm, I'm more, impressing me. No, 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 no. You don't have to impress me. <laughs> I can't me. believe these bands that I've worked for. Yeah. <laughs> I have to remind myself sometimes. You don't have to impress me or the listeners. What's impressing us and why you're here is we're fascinated by this concept of MMT and the fact that you've actually got a, a program here at 3CR. How long has the program been running for? Well, we were under the banner of Unemployed Workers Fight Back for three years, mm. and that was that was essentially the same topic. And that was uh, Anne and I um, with our pee plates on, you know, right, um, right. trying to learn how to do a radio show and, right. and, and get our act together. Mm. But now we've got this Radio MMT. Uh, we're about to do our fifth episode on right. Friday, and that's you know it's the second and fourth Friday of each each month. Five thirty to six thirty. Is it Here a station program or an, an affiliate program? It's an affiliate an program. Affiliate. Tell us about that. Well, we we were working working under Unemployed Workers Fight Pack, which was part of the Squatters and Unwaged Workers Airwaves. Mm. But we and and our connection with that is that our brand of economics puts unemployment at the heart of the economy, and uh, there's a scheme called the Job Guarantee which um, uh, provides full employment, full employment to, uh, to, the, to the nation. And mm. it sounds pretty far-fetched, but it's pretty much um, uh, a reworking of what we did after World War II with the, um, uh, mm. the Bretton Woods, no, it wasn't the Bretton Woods, the H.C. Coombs White Paper. Um, so that was our connection with unemployment, was this full employment uh, program which would eradicate uh, unemployment, which mm. would then change the whole dynamics of your economy. And, right. and people say, oh, that's far-fetched. Not so far-fetched. We had unemployment at less than 2% from 1945 to 1975. Okay, so, uh, and that's full employment, not what they yep, call yep, it. Yep. So that was a connection there. So um, so then, but, but that was... So who, who, are the, who are the affiliates? What's the affiliate? Well, the, the affiliate is uh, this fellow, Professor Bill Mitchell, who runs a... Uh. 
a program called MMT Ed, and that's a uh, a progressive economics education program. Right. So, and that's the affiliate to 3CR. That's the affiliate so that to must 3CR. Be our new, that must be our newest affiliate. That'll be the newest affiliate here. Yeah. Right. So, and, so, so and, and he, Professor Bill Mitchell, is the founding uh, founding dude with MMT. He and another. And where, where's he, Professor at, or is he retired? He's retired. He was at Newcastle University. Right. Um, and uh, and overseas, there are other. Um, yeah, Warren, economist that um, Warren Mosler was was his counterpart. He right. wasn't an economist; he was a, a financier of some sort. And they both came to the same conclusion at the same time about mm. sovereignty and money, etc. and and started started this MMT movement. And um, how long ago was that? Well, it became MMT in the nineties. I think in the nineties. Yeah, right. Uh, and. and there would have been half a dozen people that would have known about it back then, and now it's now it's a worldwide movement. And this is a tradition, like an intellectual tradition about economics. It's, well, it's becoming a tradition, yeah, it was, uh, because yeah. it's only fairly new. But yeah, uh, but yeah. it's 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 a, a complete challenge to the orthodox neoclassical view of how our economy runs. So you're like um, one of these unorthodox philosophers. Yeah. 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 It, it's, but it's, you're still. A f- they're still financiers, they're still economic professors, but they're looking at things in a different way. They're looking at things, they're explaining how the system works. But in a different way. Everybody, everybody's got an explanation. Every you know, school of economics has got an explanation. Yeah, yeah but, you've, but got to justif- you've got to justify the yeah, position. But, yeah, but they've got a new... What is this a new stream of economic thought or has it got a tradition behind it? Well, the, the tradition behind economics is if you go way back when people talk about barter uh, mm. and they say that we formed a monetary system to deal mm. with, the, with the messy barter system, which mm. is inaccurate. Mm. Okay, um, uh, Currency has always been a method of – has been involved with state control. So when a when a state creates currency, it uses it as a method method to control its population, which is not a bad thing or a good thing. It's just a thing. It's it's good or bad depending on the the government that's that's in charge of the of the sovereignty at the time. And you're talking about why do we have money? And why do we have taxes as a form of control? Okay, and and uh, so it comes from that that history. There was precious metal used as coin. There was trade. There's all this sort of stuff. But modern monetary theory deals. I suppose specifically with currency, once it became disconnected from the gold standard or from uh, another currency. So, so when was that? Uh, for us, it was eighty-three. Eighty-three. Under Keating. Right. For the states, it was seventy-two under Nixon. For right. the UK, it was during World War Two. Uh, and then once you reach that stage where you decouple your currency from uh, from a, a standard or another currency, it becomes a fiat currency, which is a floating currency. And fiat in Latin means something along the lines of "it's worth what you think it's worth." Yes. Then you enter the modern monetary uh, dynamic. So what we have is a lot of people that hang on to traditional uh, traditional ways of thinking about money and currency and taxation, and they can't enter this new realm where you have a floating currency. They're still hanging on to these old ideas about money being connected to gold and, and you can't move past this boundary and there's a finite amount of this. It's, it's, it's like it's an old way of thinking, but as, as the nature of currency changes so does the way it works, mm-hmm. so does its dynamic. And uh, what we have is a very neoclassical, outdated way of understanding how our economy works. Mm. Uh, there's a much better way uh, of understanding it, and that's, and that's what we do. We, we try and explain how these shifts uh, in mm. the fundamental currency creation uh, changes the dynamics, and, and it explores all of the avenues that are available to, to deal with uh, things at hand, uh, right. crises, you know. Do, do- 
Do you podcast the program? Or yes, you do podcast. So there is people can go back for the yep. four, four previous programs. Yeah, you find it on Spotify, Apple, you know, right. all, all, all through and, the station. And what's the response like? It's been good. Mm. It's been, um, yeah. There's there's a few movements uh, around the place. There's a few branches of this sort of stuff. In fact, MMT is now becoming so complex that there's um, there's disagreements within the <laughs> MMT uh, 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 families about uh, certain aspects of stuff. Ah, you, you, use the, you use the word family. Well, yeah, yeah, Obviously, there's disagreements. There's always this in a family. <laughs> correct. Oh, correct. You know, you know. So, yeah. are there any particular universities in Australia that are economic departments that are taking well, this out? The University of Adelaide had a fellow. Stephen Hale, but he's mm. just recently retired. So he's now formed another group called uh, Sustainable Prosperity Action Group, SPAG, mm. um, and uh, Modern Money Lab. So, uh, and we've got uh, Professor Bill Mitchell who has his MMT ed. Now, he used to operate out of the University of Newcastle. Mm. But unfortunately, what happens with economics as opposed to any other academic uh, study or ac- academic uh, field is that it's become very narrow in its focus. If you, you have a look at any other academic field, uh, what do you call it? Uh, discipline. Discipline, yeah. You'll have a variety of yeah. ways of looking at things. Mm. Economics has been captured by neoclassical, neoliberal economists, and that wasn't by mistake. That was by design. And if, uh, if I can recommend a book to read on that one, Nancy McLean, Democracy in Chains, explains how the neoliberals uh, took mm. over universities, uh, changed the curriculums, changed the courses, so that the lawyers and the economists were trained in this neoclassical way of thinking. Right. Everybody reads from the same songbook. Yeah, and then and then they mm. become the 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 politicians and the judges and yeah. the uh, and the advisors, mm. and you All end right. up with this system that we've got at the moment. Well, I'm not convinced, but I'm interested. You need to do some more reading, that, don't you? Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm not convinced, <laughs> but I'm interested. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's always a positive when somebody's interested in something yeah. because they're open open to be convinced. I mean, I'm convinced with certain arguments, not other arguments. But so, do you have a website? Uh, no, we don't. Have a is, 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 there, is there a site that people could go to? Say, I mean, they've got to hang out for a week to listen to the program. But um, is there any sites you could recommend that people? Has Professor Thompson got a, a site that people can go to? Professor Bill Mitchell. Bill Mitchell. Um, if you look yeah. up Bill Mitchell, he's got a blog that's been going for decades called right. uh, called Bilbo Economics. So if you look right. up Bill Mitchell right. uh, and look up his his uh, his blog, mm. uh, he tackles the topics of the of the day or the week on, on an ongoing basis and always has. He's an excellent source. Mm-hmm. There's a number of um, – uh, we, we did an interview just recently with a fellow called Steve Grumbine who uh, was right into uh, all of this and he uh, he had a, a podcast going in the States and had an audience of 35 million people at one stage there mm. and that was just before the, uh, the election that Bernie Sanders was in because one of Bernie Sanders' chief advisors was a person called Stephanie Kelton who – was an MMTer uh, and had Bernie Sanders come to power, you would have had MMT, uh, you know, right at the forefront. The whole Green New Deal thing was was MMT inspired. Mm. So yeah, yeah, there's there's stuff out there. Um, oh, that's good. That's yeah. good that people can follow it up. There, there was a political party I became involved. How much time we got? We got five, like five minutes left. No, no you got about a minute. you got one minute. One that's minute. why I'm asking okay. these leading questions about yeah, yeah. where people can go to. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, just look around. Just look up MMT, Modern Monetary Theory, yeah. and you'll find links uh, all over the place. It's, but but are, are there links? You said there's divisions now. Are there links that you recommend? Yeah, look, uh, go to Bill Mitchell. He's he's, he's the best one. He's, Bill Mitchell. He's not right. Phil Mitchell. It's Bill, Bill, Bill Mitchell. Bill, Bill, Bill Professor Bill. William Mitchell. Uh, William okay. Mitchell. Uh, he's. Right. 
he's the original and the best as far mm. as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, uh, and he's very uncompromising. Uh, uh, well, that's what we need. Have you got links people? to these sites on your 3CR page? Yes, yes, you'll find all that's sorts of easy. links there. So you go to Radio MMT and mm. you'll find links mm. because Anne looks after all that stuff. She's well, great good. work, great show. I'm thoroughly. Intrigued. Well, uh, uh, we're intrigued. We're interested. We're not. Uh, well, I'm not convinced. Obviously, we'll get Kelly you is. over. We'll get you. No, over. you won't get me over. No, uh, I need a loan. Can I come and talk to you two about a loan? Yeah, I can give you a loan. Oh, great. That's, that's called. That's called uh, uh, about <laughs> M th- M four. The, the lower down the, the rank of, of security. Yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, I'd be about an M seven. I think. Would um, you? Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. Government money's M zero. Yeah. Banks M one. I'm about M seven. M seven. Okay. All right. Well, that's excellent. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Kevin Gaynor. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for telling us your career as a roadie and all the bands you name dropped. And thank and thank you. <laughs> There's always other bands, and I always forget. I work for some great bands. Just yeah, I think I think that's about the end of it, Kelly. You could have shut him up, you know. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin, and thank good day, Anne. If you're listening. <laughs> Still don't know what I was waiting for, and my time was running wild a million dead-end streets and every time I thought I got it made it seemed the taste was not so sweet so I turned myself to face me but I've never caught a glimpse how the others must see the faker I'm much too fast to take that test change it
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.